All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Welcome, everybody, to Dropping the Gloves with Tim and John. Tim, there's some breaking news that just happened. Thank goodness we decided to hold off on taping this until later on at night tonight because we would have missed the boat if we would have been prompt with our time. Like, this is big news. John, Nostradamus, Scott, breaking news before it's even broken, before the the league and the players or the GMs even know. You know, it's just how do you do it? I had a feeling going into our Tuesday's episode that something was going to happen, and I called this trade. I said the Islanders are going to make a move because Anders Lee is out for the year. They need a scoring winger, and there's only a few of them on the market right now, and the best one arguably is Kyle Palmieri. Lou Lamorello is familiar with him. He's obviously from New Jersey. He was a GM there for 75 years. And he's familiar with the guys there. So he went back to the honeypot and he swung a deal with the Devils. Can you give us the specifics, Tim, of this trade? Yeah, I will. And I, and I want to say, too, I'm glad this deal broke when it did because I feel like a lot of times big news breaks like the, an hour after we stop recording. It's like, we come miss on. It. Yeah, so it's perfect. Yeah, so the Isles, Islanders have acquired Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac from the Devils in exchange for a couple of prospects, basically. Prospects in minor leaguers, Greer, Jobst, the Islanders' first-round pick in 2021, so this this summer, and a conditional fourth-round pick for next year. Um, and then the, the Devils will retain 50%, which is quite a bit, for both contracts, Palmieri and Zajac. So they, uh, that, kind of, that's how, that surprised me a little bit. I, I would have thought there was more of a market for that where they didn't have to do that. But in the, in the flat cap era, that's sort of what you have to do. Yeah, when you look at the teams that were buyers, it was something silly like 18 teams had no cap room. So if, if you were going to make a move, you were going to have to retain cap. There's only a few teams that have a lot of space. The Chicago Blackhawks have quite a bit. The, the Tampa Bay Lightning have none. The Carolina Hurricanes have some. But anyways, if you were going to make a move, you were going to have to retain cap. So that, that was a condition of a lot of deals. And I, I think you'll see that moving forward into the deadline next week. But what, what a trade for the New York Islanders. Because with all things, you know, considered, the two prospects are nobodies. The one guy was a second-round draft pick. The other guy is just putting up average numbers at best in the AHL. So they are just throw-ins 
that might pan out. Most likely they won't. This is a first-round draft pick, and you're getting Kyle Palmieri and Travis Ajak. I was completely shocked Travis Ajak is a part of this deal. Like, it's one of those things where you just throw something in on the deal. You're like, you know what? You can, we want him too. And it's like, whoa, we're getting Travis Zajac. He is almost a big a piece of this deal as maybe not as big. He's a pretty big deal. He, he is a playoff veteran. He's been through the wars. He's been there before. He knows how to play the game. You're not expecting him to go out there and play in the first or second or even the third line. If you can slot Travis Zajac in on the fourth line and have him kill penalties, he's putting up decent numbers this year. I think he has 30-some points. It's not terrible numbers. And you just plug him in and you know what you're going to get. It's, it's such a great move for the New York Islanders. Don't you think, Tim? Like, I feel like this is a catastrophic move for this division. Yeah. Well, so like you said, Zajac is, is a good player and I feel like he's underrated. He's always been underrated. Um, and he doesn't always play with like the best line mates either, which, you know, if he, if he can play with some of the, the scoring wingers that, and even Palmieri that the Islanders have. Um, and especially like we've always said, what do you need to win championships? You need those depth centers. You need to be strong down the middle. And Zajac adds value to that. Um, and like you said, it's one of those things that's like, I don't know that they were even calling about Zajac originally, or maybe the Islanders weren't shopping Zajac. He had a no-move clause. They had to waive that in order to go there. He had some statement earlier today just about being uh, – like at this point in my career, it's about winning, and, and I see such an opportunity there for the Islanders, and it was an easy decision to waive that. So excited for him. Excited. I'm sure that, the, you know, Paul Mary's the – pumped to have his buddy go with him and the Islanders are getting two good players and like you said this has got to be I mean the Bruins are on the hot spot the Flyers are on the hot spot the Capitals are on the hot spot the Penguins you mean hot, hot seat spot. do you mean hot seat <laughs> yeah hot seat hot spot hot seat <laughs> add it to the list they're a hot uh, wi-fi hot spot right now but no yes I feel like this this takes the Bruins and the Flyers and it turns them into sellers honestly and, and I'm not just saying this without thinking about it. You're taking the New York Islanders, who are arguably the best team in the NHL right now. They're, they're one of the, the top six, I would say. And you're just giving them the best player on the market. Because Paul Mary is light years. Light years is, I, I'm very, I, I exaggerate a lot. He's better than Taylor Hall. Yeah. He's much better than Taylor Hall on both ends of the ice this year. Taylor Hall has not found his offensive side this year at all. Paul Mary's putting up points. He is super responsible defensively. And I said that earlier this week. I said, Lou Lamorello is not going to get a guy who doesn't fit in his system. He's a big system guy. He's a big character guy. He's much like John Tortorella in Columbus. If you don't fit the structure, if you don't meet a certain set of criteria that he has in his head, he's not even going to swing a deal for you. That's why he doesn't go out in the free agent markets and like swing for the fences on the big high-end superstars. He doesn't like the egos. He honestly doesn't. Matt Barzal, do you ever hear him causing any problems? Never. Never. Ever, ever, ever. Any of those guys, you never hear anything out of them. And that's Lou Lamorello's way. When he was GM of the New Jersey, New Jersey Devils, he had Patrick Elias, he had Scott Stevens, he had Ken Danico, he had all these high-end guys, Martin Brodeur. Did you ever hear anything out of those teams? Nothing. Nothing. Like He, he really likes his players to just go out there, play the game the right way, and that's it. No fluff, no, no fuss, no muss. Stay off the hot spot. And, you know, play <laughs> hockey the right way. 
By the way, this is the second time that he's traded for Palmieri. He did it from the Ducks to the Devils, too. That was Lamorello. He likes himself some Kyle Palmieri. Have you seen Kyle Palmieri's beard? Yeah, he's known as the hairiest guy in the league. It's unbelievable. Do you remember Zach Stortini? I remember the name. He's a terrible person overall, but he had a, he was as hairy as well. Like, absolutely. Really? Just, like, I looked at him like, you're a caveman. Like, it's unbelievable. Google a picture of Zach Sartini, and it's the guy from the Geico commercial. Not oh, even no. kidding you. Identical. And Kyle Palmieri is not that far off. He's just a hairy guy. But, man, is he a good player. What does this do for the Devils? Are they, are they still in sell mode? A guy yeah. who, I, who I think about a lot is P.K. Subban. What yep. do you do with PK? He's got a big contract. They're they're willing to eat contract. Defense is at a premium right now. Guys are dropping like flies on the back end. Do you see him, you know, leaving New Jersey? What's his value at this point? Is it even worth it to talk about him? I got to think he's one of those low risk, high reward, low risk in terms of trade value. Still, it's still a pretty big contract to take on, but if if he can turn it on to some degree, he's never going to be, I don't think what he was in Montreal in those first few years of his career, but he's a good player. And we've seen flashes of it, even when he's kind of been not producing as much the last few years. And I think in the right situation, he could flourish and thrive again. The other, the big defenseman they have is Alec Martinez, who was scratched tonight, but they're saying that it has nothing to do with, with trade or anything like that. He was just had some, some tweak or something earlier today. So um, they don't expect him to get traded. But yeah, this is really probably, you know, they always say that when the trade deadline is approaching, there's always needs that first domino to fall, right? Someone has to like set the market. Someone has to like set the value for these players. And then everyone else, everyone starts from the top and then works their way down. No one wants to sign the, the trade for the smaller guys until the bigger guys are gone. And just in case they can get a bargain or something. So right now, this is arguably the biggest guy on the block was traded tonight, which means we're going to see hopefully a lot more action in trades over the next couple of days and in the next week or so and when you look back historically at the deadline the weeks leading up to the deadline the ones that usually make the most impact are the ones that are early when you go out and you get a guy you get him accustomed to the team he gets to know the systems you can find a good spot in the lineup for him whereas if you do trade for him next week you're losing a week this is already a truncated season it makes a lot of sense Lula Morello has been around the block he knows what he's doing he is he's so smart. He really is so smart. I saw I hearken back to the time I in Toronto when I ran into him and he's like, Are you gonna retire? I was like, Lou, come on, man. Like just let me let me enjoy my all-star game son like son still. But anyways, moving on off of me. I love talking about myself. Does this make the Islanders and make sure I don't forget about this? I want I want to touch on this later. You mentioned setting the market. What does this do for the other players and for the other GMs as far as their value. So we, I want to touch on that later, but let's just focus on the Islanders right now. They're currently tied for first in their division with Washington Capitals. What does this do to their playoff, not playoff chances, they're making the playoffs, they're Stanley Cup chances. Does it, where does this put them? Uh, they have to be one of the favorites. I, I, I still don't know if they're strong enough at this point to beat uh, a Tampa or a Vegas or Colorado. I don't think they're in that echelon, but they're probably the top of that next tier down, I would say, at this point. What do you think? Oh, man. And they might be my Stanley Cup favorites right now. I feel really? Like at the beginning of the season, the audio was off when I when I was picking my Stanley Cup winner. <laughs> I think I said the New York Islanders, but everybody heard the New York Rangers because I am so on board with this team. I feel like the only way 
gosh, that they don't stack up with people. They play such a strong defensive game because Trotsky's their coach. He's, he's really, really well-structured. Their defense isn't that strong, like on an individual basis. If you just look at them, one person, like, okay, this guy, this guy, this guy, they're not as strong as other teams, but when you put them in a system with Trotz and he puts them in positions to succeed, they're really good. So that's their only weakness. They have great goaltending. They have, like, their forward crew squad, you could say, their squad just just as strong as, if not stronger than any forward group in the NHL right now. They're, yeah, they don't have the the sniper, the superstar, the the goal scorer, the guy you can go to, the Ovechkin, the Stamkos, the Matthews, these guys. But they are just so strong up and down the lineup. I, I really like this team, and I, I like it because Trotz is the coach. Like he is such yeah. an X factor that. I feel like he will put them over the top. They made it to the Eastern Conference Final last year. You know, like they're not some schlub team. This is a good hockey team. I mean, Trotz and Lamorello, what a combination. You know you're going to be set up for success there. Yeah, those two guys are Hall of Famers, without a doubt. Like, without a doubt, first ballot Hall of Famers. All right, we, I mentioned setting the market. Kyle Palmieri was the number one asset on the market. He was the guy. So he, he's gone. The Devils got a first-rounder for him and Zajac, and a third-rounder. It's going to end up being a third-rounder. The, the condition is how far they go in the playoffs. So it's a first and third for Zajac and Palmieri. Arguably, it's a first for Palmieri because Zajac, you can get a third for him, fourth if you're being technical, blah, blah, blah. What does this do with Taylor Hall? He's not the player Kyle Palmieri is. The Buffalo Sabres need a first-rounder for Taylor Hall. If I'm a GM, I'm looking at this trade, I'm going, well – you know, they retained salary. They got Travis Zajac. All we had to do was give up a first and a fourth and a couple random prospects that probably aren't going to pan out. Taylor Hall isn't the player that Palmieri is. If I'm a GM, I'm offering up a second and a third or a second and a fifth for Taylor Hall. I'm not giving up a first. Like, uh, unless I'm really desperate. And the fact that these two guys are going to the Islanders, I feel like that shrinks the market for Taylor Hall. I honestly truly believe that the Bruins made a big mistake by not going after these guys. They, yeah. needed, they needed some injection of life on their forward squad and some goals, and they, they totally missed the boat here. So if I'm Don Sweeney, I'm like, well, gosh, the team I'm most likely going to play in the playoffs just got a heck of a lot stronger, and here I am sitting on my hands. I might as well just start selling off because there's no one really out there who can help me. Like Taylor Hall, he carries a hefty contract. Unless Buffalo eats 100% of his contract, Boston ain't getting him. So, I don't know. I feel like the Bruins are out. I feel like the Flyers are out. The market for Taylor Hall is remarkably small. You know what I was crazy thinking? What if he goes to Toronto? What if he goes to, like, just an absolute wagon like Toronto – Am I Tim right now? Am I Tim? It's never going to happen. I just, I'm batting a hundred, a thousand right now with my trades. I see Hall. He's going to go to Toronto or Edmonton. That's my, that's my prediction right now. One of those two teams, those two teams, Edmonton can't find defensive help anywhere. There's not many guys in the market and they're going to go all in on the forward, forward uh, group there. And they're going to try to get Taylor Hall. So that, that's what I think is going to happen. And try to win games like five to four, six to just five, six to three. Him. 
Yeah. yeah. They have okay defense. Their defense isn't terrible like it has been in years past. The thing that still haunts them is their secondary scoring. They just beat somebody yesterday or today, and I think McDavid and Dreinsettle got four points each. And everybody Dreinsettle else had, had a hat trick tonight. So Yeah, and McDavid had four points. They, nobody else had any points. So if those guys don't score, you're in trouble. If you can put Hall on the second or third line and get some balance on that team, they're, they're a really, really dangerous team. Like that, that would be a pretty great addition. There's a lot of that going around. The Bruins just put uh, back-to-back with the Flyers. Flyers took game one. Bruins took game two. Absolutely huge. And they had their – their on the depth chart, their fourth goal we make his NHL debut, stopped 40 out of 42 shots, which is huge. But it was an ugly game. And, and the four goals that they scored, Bergeron had a hat trick. All four of them were accounted for by that top line. You know what Bergeron, I mean? Bergeron, like, Pasternak, yeah. Marshawn, yeah. And it's just it's – just, I don't know. I don't. Some of these teams make it look so easy to have those guys just produce, you know – getting a goal or two from a top line, just getting one goal a game from any of the other three lines would just be absolutely huge, and they can't do it. They honestly can't figure it out. And that's what makes a great GM a really great GM is surrounding your superstars with some complimentary players who can put some goals in. The way you want it is your first line, you want them to score every game. Your second and third line, you want one of those two guys to score one goal a game. And your fourth line, you want them to score every third game. So you want to get three goals a game. You're, you're banking on a power play goal and two even strength goals. That, that's like the, the minimum. You know what I mean? And then maybe a D-man fires one in every once in a while. But you're, you're depending on your second and third line to score every game, at least one of those lines. And your fourth line to you know, chip in every once in a while. But you got, you got to get those lines. And we've seen it throughout the league now. Edmonton, they need help. In, it's, they haven't, for not, not for lack of trying. They've honestly tried to slot guys in. It just doesn't work. Taylor Hall, get him back at Edmonton. That's when he was at his best. Let's see what he does. Give, put him on Nuge's line. Let him go. Let McDavid and Dryan Settle have their way. I don't know. It, it makes a little bit of sense to me. It does. It really does. So what's interesting to me, too, is that uh, Frank Saravelli, a former guest of the show, a friend of the show, uh, reported over the weekend that the Blues – have become sellers or potentially sellers at the deadline, which absolutely thunderstruck me. I had no idea. And I was kind of like, I was like, wait a minute, the blues, they're kind of one of the wagons in that division. Right. So we, and I looked at the, and I looked at their, uh, the standings It actually surprised me. They're fifth in their division. They're actually behind the coyotes and Minnesota right now. They're five points back behind the coyotes with a game in hand. Um, and Saravelli reported that Mike Hoffman and Tyler Bozak, both UFAs, are on the block. So here's the, the deal with the Blues. I, I think people just assume they're one of the best teams in the league, and they could be, but they're 2-7-1 in the last 10. They have a minus 20 goal differential. They've actually scored fewer goals this season than the San Jose Sharks, which tells you something. Um, and, and Pierre Lebrun had a great uh, quote here. I'm going to read a couple sentences, but he basically said, the St. Louis Blues are not out of contention, but we know from DM Jum." from GM Doug Armstrong's history that he's not worried about trading pending UFAs when his team underachieves. He traded Kevin Shattenkirk at a deadline in 2017, despite being in a playoff spot. He traded Paul Stastny to Winnipeg in 2018, despite being a point out. And word is from talking to different teams around the league that he's open to potentially moving some pending UFAs. I'm still kind of blown away by this. I would have think that the blues would be one of those teams that would be desperate for the hunt. That would be adding pieces. And the fact that they're talking about trading two of the, I mean, Hoffman's got, I want to say nine goals and 21 points this year. Not nothing crazy, but he's a great secondary scorer, especially in the right situation. So 
they'll, they'll find buyers, right? If Mike Hoffman's on the market, someone's going to pay for him. But it's just kind of surprising that maybe the Blues, even if, even if they manage to squeak in that fourth playoff spot, they know they're not getting out of that division with Colorado and Vegas. Maybe they're just kind of reading the tea leaves and saying, you know what, let's be real about this. Yeah, and, and that's what Armstrong is great at. He, he can read the writing on the wall. He's not some wishful thinker who just, you know what, if I make this move and this move and this move, we might have a chance. And then you mortgage your future for the next five years. And then you're in the basement. I feel like the only way a GM can do this is if he's confident in his job. If he knows he's going to be there in two years and three years and five years. If you're a guy who's on the hot spot, like Tim would say, you're not yeah. going to make – that move you're, you're going to push to try to get into the playoffs because you're worried about getting fired armstrong is secure in his job he knows what he needs to do like you said st louis is going nowhere they they're an okay hockey team like bennington has not played great this year he's played okay when your leading score is david perron that and i'm not slighting david perron he should he's not be player. the one he should not be your 1A option. Ryan O'Reilly has not had the greatest of years. He's a point-per-game you know, point guy. Hoffman, that's sort of panned out. They, they don't have that depth like they had in years past. Tarasenko, that injury really hurt them. He yep. hasn't been the same player that he was in years past. You know, he's showing his age. So, you know, Krug, he's been a shell of him, former self. Like, he, he's not the same guy he was in Boston. He really so is. Right. So far. So, I, I like this move. I, I really do. I, I think why, why just play around? Why pretend to be something that you're not? You're not a Stanley Cup contender. Sell everything. He should call Don Sweeney and be like, Don, this is how you do it. Yeah. You're not Stanley Cup contenders. Let's prepare for next year. Let's just, you know, call it a wash. We, we never, we didn't win anything this year. You know, it, it's okay. You can't win the cup every year. There's only one team that wins the cup. St. Louis is planning for next year. I like it. He's he's a good GM. I, I, I like him. He, he makes trades. Rutherford, the ex-GM of the Penguins, I liked him. These guys, they're realistic. They're not you know, living in la-la land. I think it's really smart that, that he's going to go this route. So a couple more hit, quick hits here. There's a few injuries that came out in the last 24 hours. Brendan Gallagher, right winger for the Canadians, broke his thumb. He's out for at least six weeks, which is a huge bummer for them. He's, he's a big piece of that team, uh, although he could be back for the playoffs if he, if he heals and recovers and all that. Blake Wheeler is out indefinitely with concussion-like symptoms. He was elbowed in the head on Monday night against Ottawa, uh, which kind of brings the question, are the Jets going to make a trade now to kind of fill some of that gap? Is Taylor Hall on their radar? Um, is Hoffman or Bozak going to be on their radar? Because Blake Wheeler plays both center and wing. So you can kind of move a few things around. They have a little bit of flexibility. But I got to imagine, right, that the Jets are, are at least having some conversation now with Wheeler, no timetable to return. Yeah, well, uh, the Gallagher injury – it, it hurts a little bit. The, the, the great thing with Montreal, they have so much depth. Yeah. Like, like they have so many forwards who can just plug in and they're fine. I, I don't think this hurts them that much. They have like seven second, second liners. You know what I mean? They some are on the third line, some are on the first. Exactly. They're going to take Anderson, plug him on that line, or Paul Byron or Corey Perry or any one of these guys who could just slot in and just you'll be fine for the time. Gallagher is a great player. Not gonna be that big of a loss. Wheeler is a big loss. Yep. You can't replace a Blake Wheeler. He he rips up and down the ice. The guy's a rocket. Man rocket. This, man rocket. Him and Brock Besser. Um, you can't replace him. This this really hurts Winnipeg because going into this deadline, Chevy um, Chevel Dayoff, his main 
objective is to get a defenseman. He wasn't even thinking of forward. I don't know how bad the injury is. Like it's it's hard to gauge a head injury. It, it just really is. You you just you have a concussion. There's not mild concussions or severe concussions. It's a concussion. Right. So they're, some, they're they're leaving tonight for a five game road trip, and he's not traveling with them. Just well, what's going you're on? not allowed so, to jump on a plane be, if you got a concussion. Like it's right. It is so what I'm saying. It could be nothing. He could be back in a couple of days, or it could be months. You just don't know. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. We'll keep our eye on that. Winnipeg, they, gosh, they haven't been playing well of late. But we'll see how this pans out. Hopefully he come back and they can pick up a defenseman and really, really make a run at this. I feel like they have a chance to knock off Toronto. Like I said, they're the only team in that division who I feel like will give them a run for their money. They can compete with them on the forward side. They, I, I love the Dubois move. He's, he's really playing well in Winnipeg right now. So that they have a strong group there. Hopefully Wheeler can come back. Um, another injury, Boone Jenner out for the year, broken thumb, not a huge deal. Um, our, a friend of the show, Tim, another quick hit. Kirby Doc scored his first goal of the year. Good for him. Did you see the goal? I did, yeah. I saw the highlight. I tweeted out about it. Imagine being 20 years old on a two-on-one with Patrick Kane and you bury the goal. Like, it just it, – it's just like stuff the kids dream of. And it, it was a smooth – it was a smooth play. He buried it. And, uh, yeah, good for him. The slipperiest of hips. So slippery, dude. Don't say dude to me. I'm not your dude. Um, <laughs> never will be. But um, on, you're bro. so hip. You're so hip. It drives me nuts. All right. One of your favorite players, Tim, who I still – I don't know him that well. He's having a great – he's having a great month. Adam he, Fox, Foxy he, Cleopatra. He Foxy. might be my favorite player in the league right now. Why is that? Uh, Why? I, I don't know. I just like certain players I'm drawn to, and Adam Fox is one of them. He had a goal and two assists last night. He has three goals, 17 assists, 20 points in his last 10 games. He's a defenseman. And I've looked him up. He's like a buck eighty, like five ten. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's not like this hulking guy. Um, he now leads all defensemen with assists. He's tied with Hedman for first and among defensemen with points. He's logging twenty five minutes a night. We talked about Norris candidates a couple of weeks ago, and all these names came up: Darnell Nurse, Hedman, obviously Jeff Petrie, Drew Doughty. Neither one of us brought Fox up. Now this is before this this recent run he went on, but I think we need to start giving this guy some more credit and giving him a little bit more respect. Well, yeah. Two weeks ago, he didn't have 20 points on his right. uh, stats. So it's a big 10 games for him to get 20 points in 10 games. Well, that, that coincides with the, or with the Rangers just absolutely shelling the Philadelphia Flyers twice for like 17 goals in two games. So I feel like he picked up a lot of points those two games. He had five but, assists one of those nights. Yeah, so you know what? That helps the stat line when you can pump in five assists one game. But he's, he's a good player. And like we mentioned him a couple episodes ago, he's he's the new prototypical defenseman. He's a guy who 20 years ago would have been a forward. They would have stuck him up there because he's really gifted offensively. Now the game's changed. They put him on the back end. He controls the game. He's good with the puck. He's slippery, very slippery hips from what I've heard. And he's just a good player, you know, and that's what you need in today's game. You got to be strong down the middle, have defensemen who can jump up in their rush. Don't need a goalie. As we see in Boston, they're winning games with their fourth string goalie. Doesn't make a big deal who your goalie is. I, I still don't know this kid at all. So good for him, though. They're saying he's the best Rangers defenseman since Brian Leach. Which I don't I mean they haven't had any many studs, some big names like Dan Boyle comes to mind, but he wasn't at his best when he's on the Rangers. You know what I mean? So this is a guy that he could be. I don't know who else. Who else would, would come to mind for you? Ryan McDonough. Like, yeah, yeah, he was good. 
He was a very good player there. This this yeah. kid's had a, a nice half a season. Let's just see how it plays he's, out over the years. He was good last year. He scored 42 as a rookie last year. You know what I mean? In a short Yeah, he season. was good last year. I, I shouldn't say that. He's a good player. I, I hope he I hope he continues this run because it's it's good for them. Lafreniere yeah. has been a complete. Is he still uh, playing? Barely. He's Remember getting, the hype. Yeah, but he's getting like he's not getting playing time. Like he, there was a game a couple nights ago. We had one shift in the third period. You know well, what I mean? How so, how long do you got to beat this horse until you realize he's not going to produce? It's like he's not going to win the race. Well, time, if he's time not, to like put him out the pasture. If you're not going to play him, send him down. But you. He's a he's a good enough player where you can play him, but he's not a first line guy yet. So you put him on the yeah. third line. He's still a good player. You're, he, you're not going to win games with him, but you're not going to lose games with him. So let him play in the third line, and let the other guys like. Are you going to play him over Panarin or Zabinajad or these guys or Strom or like the guys who are really carrying the team? No, you're not going to put him out there because the other guys are doing the job. He'll he'll figure it out. It's just not his year. Anyways, moving on from from a very great. Great guy, great moment. He's having a great season to just a scary situation. The Vancouver Canucks, they can't, they can't keep that COVID off of them. They, like every guy on the team has COVID except for three guys. So what do they do? It keeps getting worse. If you're Gary, what do you do right now? Gary. Gary, I don't do know. Do? I mean, so they released a statement today, um, basically just sharing some of the information. They've had 25 positive tests. I want to say 19 or 20 of those are players and the rest are staff. Um, and it was verified today that it is one of the variant strains. I don't know which one. So it's not the, the same one that we were dealing with six months or a year ago. Um, they do know that through some contact tracing, there was one player who was exposed and he was um, obviously spread it to the rest of the team. It's not looking good. And, and I've been thinking about this since we talked about it the other night. Like, what do you do if you're the NHL? If you're Bettman, do you let them play these games? And if you don't, which a lot of people are saying they shouldn't, because obviously health should come first, right? Uh, and if they don't, though, like, what do you do with all the teams and all the points that are, are there for the taking? You can't just not give, you know, the Oilers and the Flames and the, and the Jets and the Canadians those points, or at least the opportunity to earn them. Do you – do you give them like a point or two and a half points per win for the rest of the way? You know what I mean? Like you can, you get creative with it instead of just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if there's a right answer. And I'm sure the, the, the smartest minds in the league office are, are kind of planning for this right now. Um, I, we won't see anything officially. And, and I don't, I just don't see how they can keep playing, you know? Yeah. The, the one saving grace is they play the senators quite a bit in the next month. I think they play them four or five times. So you can just cancel those games. Yeah. They mean absolutely nothing. They, they play the Maple Leafs, you know, quite a bit. I think they play them four times. You can just cancel those games because those don't mean anything. Maple Leafs have locked in first place. So if, if you just get rid of those games, I think that's eight or nine games off of their roster. The ones that really only mean anything are the games versus Edmonton and uh, the Winnipeg Jets because they're still jockeying for position. Honestly, yeah. I don't know what to do. It's just a strange situation. But take that a level further, though. Like, say the the Leafs were and and the and uh, the Canucks were going to play each other the night before the Canadians and the Canucks or the, or the Canadians and the Leafs. And now the Leafs had to play back to back, which helps the Canadians. Now they don't have to play those games, which means they're getting more rest and they're more ready to play the Canadians in that game, which hurts the Canadians. Like I know that maybe you're getting a little bit too deep there, but like there's implications of these games being played regardless or not, if the teams are playing them or the games are meaningful, you know? 
Yeah, this was, you know, this was everybody's biggest fear coming into the season. What's going to happen if one team gets just decimated? And thankfully, it hasn't happened until this point in the season where literally everyone in this organization seems to have COVID. So I Should think I they just call, they call their season. And you go back and you find – so just say Calgary's played Vancouver four times already and they're three and one and they have four games left, they give them three wins. You just take your winning percentage versus the Vancouver Canucks and you carry that forward. And those are your points. And you use that for all the teams who they need to play and that's the points that they get. I feel like that's a fair way to go about it. You're not, you know, taking points from people or just rewarding points. It's like you're rewarding – games that have already been played and you're just using that as your litmus, your baseline. So I don't know. I'm not the, the commissioner don't want to be, but that seems like a fair thing to do. Uh, it'd be interesting if that did change anything. I doubt it would, you know, I, the top four are locked in. It, it's going to be what it's going to be. Hopefully everyone's fine. You know, they're, they're young kids are healthy, but you never know how this thing is going to take you out. So gosh, I just hope they don't try to push them back. And they're not ready. We've seen guys who struggle with coming back. They're weak. They're lethargic. They're not ready. And they're like, we got to play. We got to play. We got to, you know, field a team here. So, ice a team. Whatever. Did you text uh, TJ? <laughs> JT. Come on, man. JT. JT. I'm so bad um, at that. I was going to. From what I've seen, he's not one of the guys who's tested positive. Um, There's only three guys who haven't tested. It. I don't want to jinx it. I know. Um, hey, JT. How you doing? <laughs> I'm terrible. And then, I'm asking. JT and uh, William Nylander on the on the um, Maple Leafs didn't skate tonight. Didn't play for this game. He was scratched because he was potentially exposed to someone, um, which means there's a strong chance that he has it. When a strong chance is already spread it to the guys on the Maple Leafs, which is not good. Well, let's not be speculating. Strong chance he has it. No, let's just wait and see. If you're exposed to somebody, I don't know what it takes to get it, but let's just. Pump the brakes here, Tim. I don't want to be a rumor mill here saying, oh, the Leafs are done. I, I'm reporting the facts and also that, like, the thing with the, the Canucks, the variant is way more contagious than the original one. So it spreads much more rapidly. So I don't know. I don't want to – yeah, you're right. We, don't, we shouldn't just guess or – but it's not – it's just hopefully, hopefully no one else gets it. Yeah, yep. Will they go – well, gosh, what are they going to do for the playoffs too? Because you still can't travel from Canada to the United States. They just yeah. extended the border, and it doesn't look like it's letting up anytime soon. My, my dad lives in Ontario. He said Ontario just went into a three-week lockdown where you can't leave your house except for essential needs, going to the grocery store, et cetera. So that's three weeks. That's putting us into the playoffs. What happens if they extend it more and you're Toronto and you're locked down? Like, they're not opening up this border. They need to figure out what they have to do if they have to leave a week early to quarantine or what that means. I don't know. Is there going to be a bubble again last year with the final four teams and just, you know, go somewhere and halt the season for a week where these teams get to the bubble and figure that stuff out. I don't know what's going to happen to him. I, I really don't. I don't either. I don't either. Who's your Stanley Cup champion? Avalanche. Still. Yeah, the things that they're doing, that no one else in the league is doing what they're doing right now. I mean, yeah, like, you know, the the I think the Panthers, I don't know, I didn't check the standings again this morning. The Panthers were tied with them yesterday. So, like, I don't know. And in the, in the standings, there's some teams that are pretty close. But in terms of the talent and the way that they're scoring, the way they're winning games, not to mention the streak they've been on, I just think the Avalanche are still the team to beat. Okay. Does Don Sweeney get fired? He's got to be on the hot spot right now. 
<laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, well, I don't know. We'll see how the next week goes. But the trade deadline is what Tuesday, so um, yeah. There's there's this image I, I tweet every once in a while where there's like a big forest fire going on and someone's like a couple miles away just shooting a squirt gun at it and that's like what the Bruins do with the trade deadline every year they're just like hoping this little this little bit will just do the trick and get them over and, and save the situation and they're gonna go they out does. and they're gonna get Raquel from Anaheim or Montour or some like just okay forward be like see I did something you yeah. know, I'm trying give up a second rounder. He won't give up a first. He's not, I don't think he's that dumb to give up the first rounder this year, but we'll see. I would love it. If he would just trade Bergeron, trade Krejci, trade it. those guys, Stop. keep Marshawn, keep Pasternak. That's your future. Trade the other two guys, get an epic haul for Bergeron. Like I'm talking two first rounders and a prospect for that guy. Without not worth a it. No, not worth it. No. Totally worth it. You'd be a terrible no. GM. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, trading Patrice Bergeron. Great idea. GM of yeah. the year over there. Oh, no, because they – I forgot they've won so many cups in the last 10 years. This this group is really working well. They they, they, they don't have enough fingers for all the rings they've won. It, we're, it's, it's working out so great. This is the fun conversation. Just silence speaks volumes. It speaks volumes. I should be a GM in the NHL. I would guarantee a Stanley Cup within six years of my arrival. And any, any franchise in the NHL. Doesn't matter who? Ottawa? Doesn't matter who. Oh, Detroit. I would love to take Ottawa. I would take Ottawa over Boston. Detroit? Oh, I would take Detroit over Boston. Oh, you're giving come me on. Lay, you're giving me layups if you give me Ottawa and Detroit. <sighs> Detroit is losing their whole team this year. They're going to have $500 million in cap space, and they're just going to go out and – they're gonna, it's just going to be like a kid in a candy store because nobody's going to have any money and Detroit's going to see all these free agents think like, hmm, who do I want? What do I take? Not paying full price for anybody. And they're going to have the pick of the litter. Who wins a cup sooner, Ottawa or Boston? Ottawa. Hmm. Without hmm. a doubt. I bet, you, I bet you breakfast and dinner. Ooh, big spender. Like there's, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that Ottawa has a better future than Boston from this point forward. Detroit will win a Stanley Cup before Boston. Long-term, yeah. The next five or ten years, yeah. Next two or three, I still Boston has a stronger chance. But they're not, they're not in the top ten in the league if you, if you look at contenders every year for the Stanley Cup anymore. Yeah, they are. I put them in the top ten. They're probably the bottom of that. Because you're the a Bruins six, seven, fan. Eight, nine, ten. Well, it's not just that, but like think about like the, you know we talked about the, the the Panthers. No one's really scared to play them. Teams are afraid of Boston. Like there's they're they're not a team you want to match up against in the playoffs, regardless of what the stats say. Those the guys big, know how to bad win. Bruins. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well. Okay. Yeah. The next three years, Colorado, better chance than Boston. Yes. Vegas. Yes. Toronto. Yes. Edmonton. Wash. Winnipeg. No. You're being so generous to the Bruins. Washington. Wash. Get Okay, I'm not even doing this. I'm not even going to do it. You're lying to yourself. It's not even it's not even factual. This is a joke. Why you think they have a better chance in Washington next year? I, they're equal. No, they're not. The Islanders. Uh, I picked the Islanders. Pittsburgh Penguins. Wash. Yeah. 
I'll give you a wash <laughs> on Pittsburgh just because Tampa Bay Lightning. Tampa. Carolina. Bruins. Yeah, it's, I can't even do this. I can't even do it. For, three, for the next two or three years, yeah. yeah. yeah I yeah, would yeah. say this year. This year. Carolina has a better chance of winning the cup than Boston. How is Boston? And I'm not even getting into this. It's pointless. <laughs> it's pointless. I'm not even going to get it worked up. It's late. I got to go to bed. Me too. You need to go look in the mirror right now and think about your life. Reevaluate. Yeah. You need to get like, to bed. You're cranky. You're acting up. You're all fussy right now. This is, we are a, a, a not a biased podcast and your fandom is shining through right now. Sorry, everybody. I, I didn't want you, you to asked. You asked. I'm not volunteering this. I'm just being honest. They are 10 or 11 in the league. 10 or 11. That's where I put them next year. All right. That's enough. Any, any other fake news you want to spew, Tim? No. No. Time to go to bed. It is time. It is time for bed. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Yeah. 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 Well, let's do it. All right, everybody. Have a good night. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 